0: Welcome to Run to Thrive, a show for runners who are ready to live, lead and run with more energy, engagement and enjoyment in their everyday life. Each episode, you'll gain insight, inspiration and motivation and hear from leaders, influencers and everyday heroes who run to fuel their success in life and work so that you can learn how to thrive on the run and beyond. I'm Matt Mills, professional life, leadership and running coach. And I'm so excited that you're here so that you can discover how running can help you step into your greatest potential and develop a stronger body, mind, and spirit. Ready to go? Let's get moving. Today, I'm excited to be talking with Tony Lloyd. Tony is a former Fortune 500 executive, TEDx speaker, executive producer of the podcast Social Entrepreneur and the best-selling author of Crazy Good Advice, 10 Lessons Learned from 150 Leading Social Entrepreneurs. His mission is to help purpose-driven business leaders to thrive so that they can connect and contribute at a deeper level. In our conversation, Tony and I spoke about his year of personal bests where at 60 years old, he embarked on a year of setting new personal goals in every area of his life. And in running, he set new lifetime PRs in 13 different distances from the mile to the marathon. In our chat, we also talked about running on a plant-based diet, the importance of self-care, particularly as a former busy executive, and his lessons of leadership learned from his career and from interviewing over 150 leaders, entrepreneurs, and executives. And if you stick around to the end of the interview, Tony has a gift to share with you today. Ready to go? Let's get to the interview. Tony, welcome. How are you today? I'm well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. The weather's pretty nice in Los Angeles right now. So yeah, I'd love to know, have you you had your run today? I did.
1: I did a short run today.
0: I had uh, several projects I was trying
1: to do. So I just did like a little three mile loop from my house. and and it's enough to get me going i may go out and do more to, later today yeah
0: <laughs> i know is it does running play that role for you where it's like that stress relief some people take showers when they need to other people run
1: yeah we could we could get into that uh, in a really big way but yeah that running really has been just a godsend in my life and so uh yeah it it's stress reliever it's social it's contact with
0: nature it's just like everything yeah yeah I I think any runner would agree. So what I'd love to first start talking about, I, I was really fascinated by this year of personal bests. So yeah. you know, you turned 60 over a year ago and you decided that for 2019 you were gonna challenge yourself to reach yeah. new personal bests in every area of your life of the course of the year. Yeah. And that included running. Right. So tell me about that. What inspired you to take on this challenge?
1: You know, I I think it's exactly what you and I were just talking about at the end of 2018, I was sort of dealing with anxiety and depression and I was really down and out. And a friend of mine talked to me about that and he asked me, he said, so what do you think makes you depressed? And I said to him what had been said to me by doctors and psychologists and everybody I'd ever talked to. I said, well, you know, my brain is kind of low on serotonin and then I I need to take either, you know, a chemical or I'll take St. John's word and running Mm -hmm. helps a little bit, but I'm really trying to boost the serotonin in my brain. Yeah. And he said, well, would you mind if I send you something? And I said, no, I don't care. You know, sure. Fine. That's great. So he sent me a book by a guy named Johan Hari. And Johan Hari wrote this book called Lost Connections, Why You Are Depressed and How to Find Hope. And in this book, he he outlines nine different causes of anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. only two of them have anything to do with brain chemistry or your genes. Yeah. And so he talks about, you know, lack of connection to nature, lack of connection to other people, even lack Mm -hmm. of connection to your own trauma in your life. And so all these, you know, meaningful work, all these different connections that we have broken and that then, you know, if we can heal those connections and we can help overcome anxiety and depression. So what it did for me was... Matt, it helped me to realize that I have a sense of agency. In other words, I have some control in my own life. And so I don't have to say, well, my brain is broken, therefore, I will be depressed. I could do something about it. And, and that was sort of the starting point for my year of personal
0: best. Wow. Yeah. And, and so what's interesting about that that you point out is I think sometimes people don't realize that that anxiety, that stress, that's completely within our control. And so it sounds like that you acknowledge that, and you decided I'm gonna use this year to take on all of this, what's under my control, and really set these new personal goals yeah. for myself. Yeah,
1: yeah, what I started with, though, was I said, well, how would I measure,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> if, I was,
1: if I was living a year of personal best, how would I measure? Now, I have to admit, running is a fairly straightforward thing, right? So you, yeah. you get to the start line and you click your start on your watch and then you get to the end and you click it off and you look and you say did I do better than last time right yeah but I also looked at I didn't just look at my physical health so I I divided into three parts thrive Mm -hmm. connect and contribute yeah and so thrive has to do with my personal well-being so things like my physical emotional intellectual and spiritual health and then connect has to do with my social connections So it's really about relationships, right? So social relationships, family relationships, my marriage relationships, and then contribute is how am I making a contribution to the world? What what is the ding I'm putting in the corner of the universe? So I measured myself in uh, my vocation, my finances, and avocation, which included my hobbies and stuff. And I just took a self-assessment. I said, on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing? Yeah. Uh, and then I measured everything I possibly could measure and thankfully, you know, like with our Garmin watches and with blood <laughs> tests and some other stuff, we can measure all kinds of things, right? Our yep. sleep, we can measure our weight, we can measure our cholesterol, our, you know, all these things. And so everything that could be measured, I did measure and that I kept track of those measures throughout the year.
0: Yeah. And you know, that's what's also cool is as you said, now we can just plug in these devices and they can give us all of this information for us to track these goals that we have. Absolutely. A big part of this too was also the personal best was not just in all of those areas, but also for running. Yes. Over the course of the year, you set a number of PRs in different events.
1: I did. And, you know, um, so I think uh, your listeners in particular, I've talked to some other people about this year, Personal Best, and it's never really been runners, right? And I think that runners would totally get this. Yes. So what I did was I had to go back, all the way to my paper manuals I used to keep when I was uh, first running. And I found my PR in every distance from the mile through the marathon. So yeah. I've never been an ultra marathoner, and I was planning on doing that this year, but I'm not <laughs> sure, given the uh, climate, if I'm going to be right. able to get out and, and participate in an ultra. But I'm a spreadsheet geek, and so I took a spreadsheet, and then, and so I said, here's my lifetime PR, and, and then here's my over 60 PR, right? Yep. And so I, I had just turned 60. So my plan was, I was going to train well this year, I was gonna eat well, I was gonna just take care of all these things. And then I was going to set a new PR for this age, mm-hmm. this stage of my life, right? But it turned out in 13 different race distances, I set a lifetime PR. Everything wow. from the mile through the marathon.
0: That's amazing. Did that surprise you? It did.
1: It did. The, the first uh, half marathon that I ran early in the year, like in January, it, it was very icy conditions. But I've I'd been, I'd been training through the winter. I live in Minnesota. So yeah. I've been th- training through the winter and it was, you know, icky, icy conditions. And I was really coming up to kind of peak performance for that point in my life. And so I went out and ran this race on this snowy, icy course. Yeah. And when I came back, I was within about 20 seconds of my lifetime PR in the half wow. marathon. So I said, you know, this could get interesting this year. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. and It was like every race that I ran, I either set a PR for almost every race. I set a PR. Yeah. And then sometimes later in the year, I would run that same distance again. And I would break that PR. That PR. And so not only did I set a new p r in the you know in the mile the five k the ten k the half marathon, all these different distances, I also broke my own p r that later that year, and I just kept stacking it up and and you know matt, you're a running coach, so you get yeah. how one goes about doing this right so yeah you want to make sure that you're building your miles carefully. You Mm -hmm. want to make sure that you're mixing in a lot of speed work. You want to do some stretching. You want to do some strength work, you know, like it's this balance of all these different things that you have to take care of. So I'll, I'll pause there and let you jump in.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's people, take years or even it thats their, their lifetime goal is to set one PR in a race you set mm-hmm. 13 and so you you mentioned training but I want to know yeah. what are some of the other factors that led to your success over the course of that year I, I think uh, well mental is
1: part of it you know I once yeah. I saw that I could yep I think I believed that I could and therefore I did and, and then part of it was diet uh, something I had never really focused that much on i, I you know as a runner i i 'm like a lot of runners that you probably talk to it 's like we just open our mouth and this this oh, yeah. entire pile of pizza and everything <laughs> else it just sort of flies in right
0: we 'll just run it off, yeah, exactly <laughs> we
1: just run it yeah. off right <laughs> uh, but I did switch to a plant based diet in uh twenty nineteen and I had never really thought about that, and, but I, I ended up doing it later in the year, the, ga- the movie Game Changers, Game Changers came out, which really yeah. reinforces what I was doing there. At the end of the year, my LDL cholesterol was down 29%. Yeah. My triglycerides were down 38%. My total cholesterol was down 40%. And and this is part of why I think I ran better. I lost sixteen point four pounds across yep. the course of the year, and it wasn't like a big crash off. It was like one pound at a time. It just sort of came off as I was running more mileage and as I was, um, you know, eating correctly.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. Do you have you sustained that that diet even past the the period? Are you are you yes. now completely plant based?
1: Yeah, I, well, I mean, it depends on how, what, you know, is it vegan or is it plant-based? And so yeah. I get confused about what I allowed in and out. But I, I could like, have a
0: whole conversation just <laughs> on, about the terminology and the food psychology. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah but
1: primarily I eat plants, right? And yeah. uh, sometimes I'll have like bread and the bread is made with, you know, like there's eggs in the bread. So is that plant-based? I, you know, I don't know. Oh, so right. you tell me. And, and I'm sure that somebody is going to say, oh, you're not doing it right. But yes, it, to answer your question, yes. So, you know, this morning I had uh, frozen blueberries that I microwaved. I threw some almond milk uh, yogurt on it. And then I put some seed-based granola on it. We call it paleola. Yeah. And uh, we threw that on there. Man, that is good. It's just yeah. so rich. Uh, so that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still maintaining that lifestyle.
0: That's great. Yeah. I, I I went through a similar switch as well. And I think there's, especially for a lot of runners, they they have these ideas, as you said, we can just, we need to eat a lot of carbs. We need to eat, you know, to, to have that iron from that meat. And it's surprising. I think you can train the best to to be in the best shape that you can be just by simple changes in your diets um, yeah. and going back to basis with the, the plant-based lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah I think that's great. So mental diets what mm-hmm. were some other factors of success for you in your, your personal bests?
1: Well I think I think uh stretching and uh, mm-hmm. I did more yoga last year which you know helps build core strength but it also helps me to stretch. I am, I am like the world's worst stretcher. I don't stretch, right? you know, uh, you know, this should you stretch your muscles when they're cold or when they're warm? And there's all, you know, all this yep. stuff. I just like, I pretty much don't stretch. So, uh, so I took up yoga and that forces me then to, to stretch my body. And so Three times a week, I was going That's to yoga great. classes, and then as I'm betweening yoga's classes, I'm like very conscious of the fact that I'm not stretching. So I catch myself stretching just right. <laughs> because I know I'm gonna have to try to actually not look like the Tin Man standing there in the corner in the yoga class. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the class with all these live women who are like stretching down there. You know, and, and the and the yoga for, yeah yeah and the yoga instructor saying things like you know okay now take your your toes and your fingers and now put your legs and I'm like, I can't even reach my toes, (laughs) you know, my legs, my legs can't do that straight. I have to bend my knees and grab my toes and stretch my legs and, you know, so, but we all, we all sort of go along our own path and you know, that's the beauty of yoga is you can't do it wrong. All you have to do is just be there and do what you can do.
0: Well, what I think what's great about that too, and so I, I hear that a lot from runners that they're saying, one of the challenges that I have is with stretching. Um, whether it's with time or whether it's just that they don't know what the stretch is. You know, we're all victim to that. But what I love is that you found something else that you could actually use as the way to get your stretching in that had a lot more holistic benefits. So I think that that's important for people to, to know is that if there's something that you feel is a weakness, tie it to something else, you know, whether it's a new activity like yoga or other active stretching. Where you can incorporate it in your routine. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to know what were some of the big challenges that you had going through your, your personal bests. Oh well. Um
1: I, I think, well, one one challenge, and I think you'll recognize this, is once you start setting PRs, yeah, then it becomes this expectation, right? So you can't just relax and just enjoy the race because yeah. you know. I'm posting on Garmin and I'm posting on Strava and my friends are like, "Woo, that was great! You set another PR. That's amazing!" You know, <laughs> "Oh, you got another race coming? Are you gonna set another PR?" And I'm like, "Oh man, uh, I, I'm in a bowling league on Wednesday nights and there's some like 300 bowlers. I mean, like these guys that just like they're perfect bowlers. And if they miss one strike, if they just get a spare." Yeah, they're so devastated, right? They're perfect. So, yeah, exactly. So, so it becomes this pressure to perform every time because it's a social pressure. So, I think that was one challenge that I had uh, going through it.
0: Yeah, and there's always this debate of do I share my goals or do I yeah. keep them to myself? Exactly. And one of the arguments that some some people will make is that oh my gosh, if I put my goals out there then i have this pressure to achieve them so right. i think yeah. it makes sense that sometimes there's having these goals out there that people right. can see you're you, then you have these expectations
1: to achieve them right right yeah. you know uh, and i just i want to make sure that i'm emphasizing that i'm not a front of the pack runner right yeah. so my my pr in the uh, marathon this last year was um, 3 hours 19 minutes and 11 seconds wow So it's not like I'm, you know, Olympic qualifying or something. You know, I'm not at the front of the pack, you know, but I'm I'm
0: doing pretty well for a 60 year old guy. I would I would say so. Yeah, I think. um, What's What's Boston qualifying time for some? Uh, For for
1: my age, it's like 355. So So I i I beat the Boston qualifying time by like thirty minutes or something,
0: oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say so so you know a lot of people use the the b q as a benchmark, so yeah I'd say that that's a pretty pretty big one
1: yeah it, you know the funny thing is I'm not that much older uh, I'm not that much faster, I'm just a lo- lot older
0: right so it's's <laughs>
1: right? right the old The older I get then the uh the the higher the uh or the lower the bar is to qualify for Boston.
0: Yeah, right. So what I'd love to know is whether it's through the running goals that you had or for some of the other personal bests, through going through this journey, what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned?
1: Honestly, I'd say this is number one for me. So when I started the year, I really was going through this anxiety and this depression. Mm-hmm. And, and part of what it was, was, you know, I, you know, part of it is I turned 60, right? So then there's this little milestone, this little bell goes off in my head and it goes, wait a minute, you know, you've got maybe, you know, another 10 years that anybody will even consider your opinion. And then once you're over 70, it's like, ah, he's the old guy. And then maybe 20 years later, I'll be dead. And yeah. So, you know, so part of me is like, I, I, I'm like, well, what, what am I here for? Right? What is the whole purpose of all this? And so I'm thinking about this not just with my running, but I'm thinking about it with my work and my my marriage and yeah. like everything, like my whole life. Why am I here on the earth? Mm-hmm. And I I came up with an answer for me, and it's not the answer for everybody, but this was my answer. So my purpose of my life, right? And so I feel like we are here on the earth mm-hmm. to connect with others and to make a contribution to the world. right? And so it's connect and contribute. But before you can connect deeply and before you can con- contribute greatly, yeah. you first must practice self-care. Yes. And I think that I had had this long career where I was a Fortune 500 executive and I didn't sleep. You know, like I'm running on four hours of sleep a night, and I'm just doing. You know, the global travel. I'm always on the go. Like this really big life where self care was like the last thing I did. Right, right. And then, and then from there, I shifted from that, and I became an entrepreneur. Well, yeah. entrepreneurs, we're crazy people, right? <laughs> I took that. I took that work ethic from being in a corporation, and I just doubled down on it in my entrepreneurial journey. And I have to say, I am the worst boss I have ever had, right? Because, <laughs> because I get myself up out of bed, you know, before five o'clock in the morning and I'll drive myself until finally my wife drags me off the desk and takes me yeah. into the other room and says, Let's spend some time together. Right. So I am the worst boss in the world and and I'm just really hard because I have this massive work ethic. But yeah. what I figured out was I can't really connect with others in the world. And I can't really make it a a massive contribution if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not practicing self-care. So in my mind, it's thrive, connect, contribute in that order. You have to thrive before you can connect, before you can contribute. So that was really the most profound lesson that came for me out of this year. I mean, it's
0: just the inspiration, but also the tying to your purpose and your mission is so powerful and it really seems like just accomplishing all of these personal bests and and every time that you did that it seemed like it tied you even deeper to that mission that you have for yourself and it's yes. continuing to to drive you um through through whatever the the now the personal bests that you're you're probably still achieving and trying to strive for right yeah
1: yeah it you know it's it's interesting that uh when I started the year, I actually wrote a blog post and said, you know it's my intention to year you know I have to pull back from some things I've been doing, yep in order to focus on this, and it's my intention to live a year of personal best and so I sort of put it out there, but one of the things I put in that was two things one, I said first of all, I want to recognize that I'm doing this from a position of privilege, yeah right? not everybody is going to be able to you know, like last year, I ran 1,790 miles. Just that was my, you know, so you can imagine that's like 280 hours of yeah. being out on the road running. Yep. And not everybody has that kind of time to devote, it, devote to that. So that's number one is I'm approaching this from from a position of privilege. The second thing I said was, I have no idea what this year is going to bring. And so it could bring, you know, a health crisis that could bring the loss of a loved one. It could bring just anything. And now living in 2020, we see how the plans that we made can suddenly just pivot because the circumstances completely change. Right? So, so I put that out as a couple of caveats. And as I go into 2020 now, I'm bringing those caveats with me. I'm living my personal best in a lot of areas of my life. And I'm really, you know, I'm I'm starting some new projects and I've got some great things going on. And yet I maintain those two caveats. That one, yes, I'm living a year of personal best and not everybody gets to do that. A lot of people are just like hand to mouth and especially like hand to mouth and then suddenly the hand is taken away. You know, so a lot of people don't have the privileges that I do. And I don't know what this year is going to bring. And yet, whatever it is, it, I won't have a perfect year. You said it well ago, that perfection thing. Yep. I won't have a perfect year, but I will have an excellent year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's self-leadership. <laughs> it's really, at the end of the day, that's that's really taking seas of the moments. But what I, I'd love to know, though, from your perspective, for people who feel like they don't have that privilege, but they want to take more of that leadership. You know, they want to be able to have that year of personal best, whether it's yeah. through running, whether it's personally. What are some of the, the those lessons of leadership that you learned that others can also take with them? You know, I think number one is it doesn't have to look a certain way. Yeah. Right. So
1: you notice that when I said connect with others, I didn't say what that connect with others looks like. Right, you know, maybe I'm going through a divorce in the middle of while I'm I'm trying to do my best at connecting with others, yeah. or maybe you know I've got a estranged child, or there's a you know uh, an addict in the family. I mean, it that dynamic of our community and our family and our marriage it looks different for everybody. Right, uh, and the um, uh, you know as I say connect, but then I also said contribute. Well, what my contribution to the universe is may look different than your contribution to the universe. So for me, I'm all about facilitating the growth of others. I am a facilitator. I am. That's kind of my heart is to is to help other people to grow. And Matt, I I, I sense that you have that same kind of heart. I mean, you're a coach yeah. for heaven's sake. You know, yeah. that that seems to be the kind of stuff you do. But for somebody else, it could be. You know feeding the hungry or clean water or you know education or you know whatever that thing might be clean energy I don't know I don't know what your ding in the corner of the universe is yeah. if that phrase makes sense, make a yeah. ding in the corner of the universe. I don't know what yours is, but it's something and the other thing I did though is i I did this self assessment at the beginning of the year and i I had like you know what is a on a scale of one to ten, so what's a one, what's a five, what's a ten? Yeah, and then I sort of I used to, I literally have a little self assessment that I made up, and it has a little slider bar on it, and I can say, okay, <laughs> no, is it a seven? Is it a nine? Where am I right now? Between five and ten, and one five and whatever. And so my self assessment is still my self assessment, and at yep. the end of the year, then I did the same exact def- exercise where I I took this self assessment, and then I measure myself. So. What my 10 looks like may be completely different than what your 10 yes. looks like. Yep. Uh, so I think, it, I think it's having grace for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think it is just allowing ourselves to be in the circumstances we're in. And uh, maybe you can't run 1,790 miles this year, but you could run one you know, you could go out, you, you would be beating everybody who's laying on their sofa right now, right? If you just got up and you went out and you did a little one, two, three mile run. And so what your win looks like is going to be different than what my win looks like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your individual personal best and how you determine that is completely up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that when you acknowledge that, then you really take self leadership. Yeah, yeah. So I want to shift a little bit about some of your backgrounds because you mentioned it. You worked for Fortune 500 companies. You were an executive at companies like John Deere, Buffalo Wild Wings, other these bigger companies. I, and you said you were so busy, but I'm actually curious what what role did running play at that time
1: <laughs> in your life? You know, it's uh, it's funny because I, I mentioned I worked like a maniac. One of the things I learned as I moved up through the corporation is, for example, at one of the companies I worked for, we had a gym in the building, yeah, which right. is really cool. But if you went to the gym, then everybody would cut their eyes at you like what? You don't have enough to do? Wow.
0: <laughs> a lot of that judgment.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah. So what I what I figured out I had to do was I I, even though there was a gym in the building, I joined a gym that was nearby and it was a running trail on the backside of that gym. And I would get up at 4.30 in the morning, drive across town, go to the gym, stuff my things in the locker, put on the headlamp, go out, grab that running trail and go run five, 10 miles, come back, shower off, change clothes and go to work. And so I think that it it kept me grounded. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that it does, I, you know, you and I talked about this earlier. I don't remember if this was before we started recording or after. Yeah. But running is everything, right? So my social life is my running life. The yeah. people that I hang with, those are runners. You know, w- the way that I connect with nature is through running. Mm-hmm. So it, it like running has kept me grounded through these years. Now, I actually did not take up running until I was 42 years old. I had always wow. wanted to run. I'd been more of a, you know, I was a hiker. Yeah. If you, you know, if you want to see a smile on my face, throw some hiking boots on me, put a backpack on me, and throw me up in the mountain somewhere. And I am just like, I am as happy as I will ever awesome. be. But what has happened is that over the years, running has kind of supplanted that, it's, it's become the new hiking for me so i think it it keeps me grounded it helps me to clear my mind i process a lot of things while i'm out for a run yeah uh, i took somebody's advice a few years ago and i don't listen to music or podcasts or anything while i'm out for a run so that i can process so that i can just sort of chew up all that stuff that's inside of me
0: yeah it's meditation in motion it is um yeah it's 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 really and now there's actually a big a, a bit of a movement to the ditch the headphones, you know, I think a lot of people were always some people still do i i I will yeah. see in races and people have those headphones, yeah. and I know a lot of yeah. coaches are are now trying to advocate for people to uh ditch the headphones and just be focused on your own mind and your own yeah. body. I'm curious to know when you were so when you were 42, what was it that finally spurred you on to to, to become a runner?
1: Well, so it it's interesting because I, I didn't think that I was going to become a runner. I just wanted to run. Yes. Right? And what happened was I had, you know, I had sort of I ran a little bit in high school and then I didn't really run afterwards. I was very busy, had a young family and then yeah. very busy with my career, et cetera. And I was at a conference up in uh, Colorado, it, well, in Golden, Colorado. And there was a uh, creek that ran back behind and there was a path back there. And a coworker of mine would get up in the morning and she'd throw on her running shoes and she'd go out for a run and then she'd come back. And like, she was just like, oh, it's so gorgeous out and all that. So one morning I asked her, I said, well, while we're at this conference, would you mind if I ran with you? Yeah. And she said, no, that would be great. And so it was more like, a, you know, I'm, I'm, at elevation a little bit, not, you know, huh. tremendous, but I'm at elevation. And so it's more like of a walk, run, walk, run, walk, right. run. And she would, she would go patient with, patiently with me as we go up, you know, a little ways on the Creek and then come back. And then she dropped me off and then she'd go out for a ripper and run for like half an hour <laughs> afterwards, you know? And then when we came back home, a few weeks later, there was a 5k, and so I said, you know what? I'd like to try that. Well, let's say it's maybe two months later. It's a 5K. So I said, I can run a 5K. That's three miles. I could do that. Yeah. So I went out and ran the 5K. And at the end, I was like, I came into this. It was this cool little 5K. It's on Mother's Day and you go out and then you come back and you go to this track and you go running around the track in front of people in the stands. And then, you know, you come to the finish line. It was really a cool experience. And then I got a little, I got a little medal, and, you know, I did okay for my That's age hooked. group and, wow. and I just went, Oh man, I'm hooked. That's it. And so that was uh, 2001 in September. I ran my first marathon and, and so I, you know, the way that I trained for my marathon was on a weekend I would, drive my car to the end of a running trail. It was 22 miles away from my house. I would park the car. I would run or walk, run my way yeah. back to the house. I would take a shower, take a nap, get up. My wife would drive me back down. We'd get my car and then I'd come back. And that's how I learned how to run distance running. <laughs> and, uh, and the next year I found a running group and they they taught me how to train
0: next to level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so once I once I was in a training group and I had some coaches and all that kind of stuff, I did a lot better.
0: Yeah. It it was just that progression, but I, I love how it was just that first accomplishment. It was actually it was that first personal best that you hit. And yeah. you were literally off and running. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then you had that community, that supports, Um, because that's also so
1: important as well. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, that first year when I was teaching myself how to run a distance. I I didn't I didn't have any books. I didn't know anything. <laughs> so I just like drove away from the house and was running back. But I was running back, and there was a marathon training group that was running together. And so I saw them coming as a pack, and they came by, and then a few more people came by. So I'm like, hey, hey what group is this who are you as <laughs> they came running the other direction and uh and somebody told me who it was and so the next year when i wanted to train for the marathon then i signed up and and trained with the group
0: yeah so when you then were a fully fledged runner <laughs> how did that how did that impact you particularly like in your in your career at that yeah. time because that was probably you know when you were starting your journey towards ultimately to where you are now yeah.
1: Yeah. I, well, part of it was, uh, I, I have to admit it. I'm a bit of an obsessive compulsive person,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: You know that uh, in 2001, when I finished that first marathon and I crossed the marathon finish line, my wife was there. My neighbors were there. They had little signs. They held up, you know, go Tony. And uh, I crossed the marathon finish line and then my wife walked over and met me and it's a small marathon. So, you know, you could get around easily. My wife walked over and met me. And uh, I go, well, I did it, you know. That's it. And she goes, yeah. you think you run another? I go, oh no, no, no. <laughs> you know, but at the time I was getting Runners World magazine, you know, in yeah. the mail, and so they had that section in the back where you could find the races. And I started going, well, you know, I could run this, you know, yeah. I could run that. And then I, I started reading about Boston Marathon qualification times. So I'm like, you know, maybe I could do that someday. And then, yeah. and then wow. by the by the next spring, I'd signed up for three marathons in one year. Oh my god. So I eventually became injured and then I had to settle back down and I had to get a little more balance in my life. Yeah. But I think it really, it gave me something that was mine Yeah, and it gave me community and it gave me just so many things. But I think it, you know, it also just sort of helped me to deal with all the daily stresses that come from, I mean, come on. There are daily stresses just from being alive right That's now, right? right? That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think it really helped me to decompress. It helped me to just sort of you know, get myself balanced and zen and a little more just sort of present in the moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, it really seems like you, you realize how important that was for you and your personal development. And it was really whatever it takes, at least at first, You know, getting up at 4.30 in the morning and then it eventually just grew from There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you wrote a book called Crazy Good Advice. I did. And you interviewed 150 leading social entrepreneurs. I did. So from what you discovered in those interviews, how do you think leadership and and mm. might even tie into well, well, first of all, I'm curious like what you learned from those interviews.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there were 10 lessons, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the the title of the book, it comes from uh, – well, let me just explain. So I have a podcast, and it's called Social Entrepreneur. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we finished a season. We're on a little break. We're going to come back for season two pretty soon. But at the end of every interview, I just ask my guests, what's one key piece of advice, one thing that you can pass on to our listeners? Yeah. And they always have something really rich to say. But after about the first 150, I began to notice like there's a pattern, like there's, I keep hearing the same stuff. So what I did was, and again, I'm a spreadsheet geek, right? So I put all this stuff in the spreadsheet and then I sort of categorized each one of those. I go, well, that sort of falls into this category and this category and this category. And once I sorted the spreadsheet, I found there were really only 10 things that they were saying again (laughs) and again and again yeah uh, but there was one particular guy who said something a little bit different he said this he said look when you say i'm going to go start a business yeah and your family and your friends and you know your your wife and your mom and everybody when they tell you that you're crazy for doing this they're right you know mm-hmm. you're not right they're right you have to be crazy to take on these big journeys but if you're going to do this, if you're just crazy enough to go do this thing, yeah. have the biggest impact you can. It's not just about making money, it's really about changing the world, right? How do I how do I make a contribution by what I sell, by how I source, by all these different ways that we can have an impact with our businesses? So that was the key piece of advice. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the advice is it. Just quickly, let me just kind of run through some of them. So, one of them is that the journey is perilous. That's number one. Like, get ready for a big undertaking. And, Matt, I know that you have your own enterprise and you know Mm -hmm. that there's all these potholes. So, right now, as you and I are are having this conversation, there's the coronavirus pandemic going on. And so, how do you do a group run, right? (laughs) You know, when when you have that going on. So you never know where the potholes are. So number one is just get ready for a big perilous journey. And then number two, if you're going to go through that, you have to have a big why. So purpose mm-hmm. drives passion and and your passion will get you through it. The third was engage with empathy. So you can't solve a problem you don't understand. So you have to start with the person that your your business serves and then you have to spend time spend a day in their shoes make sure that you understand what the problem is before you start proposing solutions into the marketplace yeah um, build something that lasts work at the sh- at, at the system level we, call, we have a chapter called "Shift the system that you know we can strike at the branches a thousand times but how do we strike the root of a problem so that we get to it ways to find your funding how to pers- when to know Should I continue to persist or should I pivot? That's a key conversation Mm. lots of entrepreneurs have. And then make sure you're building your tribe. And then this this one was key and it really carried into this last year for me, put on your own oxygen mask
0: first. Yeah, yes, self-care.
1: That was a big one. Yeah, and then the last one, it was really kind of the summary of everything that I had learned. And the chapter was called Just Start. But if I took the whole book, let's just say, you know, we took, you know, if you didn't read anything in the book and you just read something on a post-it note, what would it say? And this is what it would say. It would say, miracles find you while you're in motion. That it's almost as if there are all these moments of serendipity and synchronicity and little tiny miracles that are around us. But if we're sitting on the sofa and we're sitting on our hands and we're sitting still, they can't see us. It's the moment you step up off that sofa and you start moving forward, that's when you run into all these sort of moments of serendipity, these sort of little tiny miracles that will help you to find your way along the way. Wow. So so that's the whole book. Um, it's got uh, lots of stories. It's beautifully illustrated. My wife uh, illustrated the book, and it is just, I, I'll, you can't see it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> your your, your uh, podcast uh, yeah. folks can't see it. There but are. There's,
0: uh, there's a lot of great Art in there, I can see. Yes, yeah. So it's
1: a uh, it, it's a it's a great little book. It hit. It, so what we did was we wrote the book actually as part of a crowdfunding campaign. We gave it as a prize for people who you know signed up for x amount of money for the podcast for the um, yeah. uh, crowdfunding campaign. We gave it away during that. Then once the crowdfunding was over, we said, well, "What do we do now?" Well, we've got this book. We might as well do something with it. Let's just put it up on Amazon. And it hit a number one bestseller category. Wow. So it was just like this sort of crazy ride where, you know, anyway, I, I won't go on and on about that. I'll I'll just say that it is uh it's been a, a cool journey, you know, the podcast, I have a new podcast coming out. We have that uh that book that uh is out and it's just been, it's been amazing.
0: I love it. it the, all of those lessons, what was so funny, what was going through my mind is I just kept thinking every one of these can apply for runners, yes. for people who want to start running. Yes. And you know, yes. running, that's the thing is running is really one of the biggest acts of self-leadership that you can take and you learn so many lessons from yes. it. And so I think it's so amazing that you could read that book and really apply it to even for your running or your training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, let me ask a couple of last questions. So, first of all, what do, what do you think from the, from those interviews from your book, like what are some of the biggest speaking about running and leadership? Like what are the biggest lessons that leaders can learn from running and that runners can also learn from being a better leader in their life and their work yeah
1: well you get out of it what you put into it right that's number one and uh it helps to have a plan when i first started training i didn't really know what i was doing but i just knew i needed to do the work right so my work ethic took me so far but then i really didn't do well in the race and i wasn't you know, I really wasn't getting that much healthier. My knees were hurting. I wasn't doing things right. I was just plodding along. And so, you know, getting a coach, finding a system, all those things, it really helped me to have a system to apply. And I think that that's true, whether you're a business leader or if you are a runner. Mm -hmm. And I think that people think that running is like the lone wolf out on the trail and, you know, out, you know, running, is a community sport it really really is right and so so is leadership you know it's a team sport i I think that no matter what your politics are so i you know i always hesitate when i mention some political figure but i really liked what barack obama said he said the presidency isn't one person's job he said it takes an entire team of people surrounding you in order for you to be a successful president That it's, you know, our society is too complex. Our system is too complex. There's too many issues. You can't do that job by yourself. And I think that is true in every leadership position in the world.
0: Yeah. And I think we can say that with any time you step to the line of the race, Mm -hmm. even though you're out the one, uh, it's out there running, you're never doing it alone. No. Yeah. Tony, this was an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. I want our listeners to know how they can find you, um, your book, your podcast. So how how can they find you, Tony? So they can find me
1: at TonyLoyd.com, T-O-N-Y-L-O-Y-D. The funny thing about my name is that my last name is Lloyd, but it's only spelled with one L, L (laughs) L-O-Y-D. So if you're looking for me online, tonyloyd.com. uh the other thing is you can um you know matt for your listeners if they will send me an email and mention coaching on the run great and they can send it to tony at tonyloyd.com, and i'll give you that again in a second i will send them a book all they have to do is just send me an email we'll correspond back and forth and i'll send them a book and it's this book crazy good advice 10 lessons learned from 150 leading social entrepreneurs uh somebody called it the best book on entrepreneurship ever and uh and i have that on one of my websites i don't I'm even remember who say, it was I yeah. was like you know
0: it's like Get the quote out there
1: <laughs> yeah it was just like uh, you know that that seemed a little too far because i know some great books on uh, entrepreneurship but anyways it's, it's a good book it's uh it's fun it's illustrated it's easy to read uh and it's filled with crazy good advice uh, so, if they send me an email, Tony at Tony Lloyd, dot com, and if they'll met, mention Coaching on
0: the Run, I will send them a book. Great. Take advantage of it. I mean, even just hearing from what that crazy good advice is, it's going to make you a better runner. It's going to make you a better leader, entrepreneur. So, I'm excited for our, our listeners to pick that up. Sounds um, good. Tony, this was awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming on the Coaching on the Run podcast. And I'll, I'll catch you on the run. Sounds great. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Thanks again for joining us on the Run to Thrive podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you're interested in learning more about how you can live, lead, and run at your best, visit coachingontherun.com and follow on Facebook and Instagram at Coaching on the Run. And if you like what you heard today on Run to Thrive, please leave a review and remember to subscribe to receive new episodes as soon as they're released. Until next time, I'll catch you on the run.